0: Welcome back to the Beaver Banter podcast. I'm Nick Daschle, and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. And I do cover football and basketball because last night I was doing two basketball games, and and I also did football stuff yesterday. So November is—I don't know if you want to call it Hell Month for me, but but uh, just based on all the all the places I'm, I'm, I'm at during these three weeks of football and basketball together, but. Uh, it's kind of fun, but it's it's hectic for sure. Um, but we're here to talk football, and the Beavers are coming off a twenty four twenty one loss at, at Washington. And this week, they're going to be at home playing California Bears at uh, six p.m. in Reser Stadium. Uh, Oregon State's six and three. California is looking to get back on back back on track. They they've got a five game losing streak, but they're coming off a forty one thirty five loss to USC. So. So it's not a given Oregon state's going to win Saturday, but we'll talk about it, we'll mostly talk about the Washington game and what happened up there. Joining me on the uh, podcast he, as he does every week is Oregon's former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back Kyle.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: All right. Well, let's let's start with this Washington game. Lots of lots of anticipation going to this thing cuz there was a bye week and so there was a lot of build up to this game. Both teams were six and two. I, I walked down to the field and it is, it's a, it's not a hurricane, but darn, it was darn close to something like that. I, I mean, we were watching, we were watching guys warm up with punts. They did kick them to the middle of the, they tried to kick them in the middle of the field. And they ended up in the, in the, in the stands. They were blowing, the ball was blowing it so far offline. Um, so it was, it was a pretty impossible situation. The, 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 the winds were swirling a lot during the game. So. It was tough. It was tough for the offenses for sure to try to throw the ball. If you didn't put some zip on it, I mean, you saw a couple times where, you know, deep balls got thrown off off line, probably five ten yards. Um, it was so it wasn't a matter of just having to throw the ball. You had to kind of guide it to to the guy, your receiver. So that that doesn't make for good offense for sure. But. Um, Anyway, I thought we thought we'd probably start with quarterback play because that seems to be prominent on everyone's mind. Um, you know, Chance Nolan hasn't played since October first. He's had the injury. Um, shoot, and Ben Galberson, he has been the starter last four games. He, he lost his first game uh, Friday against the Huskies. He's three and one as a starter. I, I think people are wondering when Chance Nolan's going to come back. I'm—I'm I'm here to tell you, I don't think it's. I don't think it's anytime soon. I've I've seen Chance recently, and I know he's trying to get back into practice, but I mean, he's just he just has some trouble with his with the neck, and um, and it's and it's tough for him to you know to to get you know to really get back into it. Plus, he's just not cleared, so um, you know, for the time being, it's it's Ben Gulbransen. So. Anyway, let's let's start let's start with a quarterback, um, and throwing in the wind. I don't know how much experience you've got playing in the wind and whatnot, but boy, that seemed to be an issue Friday night for 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 Ben and and you know to some degree Michael Penix. but he he seemed to have a better feel for it, although he did throw fifty two times.
1: I mean, yeah, when I was watching the game, I mean, I've played in the wind a handful of times, more so in Canada than I did here, more in Oregon, you know, you just have to deal with a lot of the rain. But uh, when I was in Canada, it was more of, uh, you you can't really throw deep in that high of wind. You know, I haven't dealt with that much wind experience in the ways that they had to this past week. Uh, But one, it didn't look fun too. It's pretty hard to have deep shots in which that's what we're more known for is our deep shots. Um, I felt like their quarterback was. He figured out, and especially with the coaching as well. uh If you're going to pass, you got to have short term pass, like short passes, 10 yards, 12 yards, five yards. And that's how you keep the ball rolling. But we're so used to, uh you know, our play action deep passes that when I watched this attempt one, you saw it go from the middle of the field to about, well, no, he tried to throw it to the right side of the field and it came back to more towards the middle. So it was like, yeah, like that's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seemed like a rough pass game kind of night. And uh yeah, like when you have those, it's hard to make a game not as much one dimensional as you want it to be.
0: Yeah, I, I know Oregon State had a plan to throw they had a plan to throw deep on Washington in that game and and, and Brian Lingren left a lot of left a lot of plays on his on his call sheet because just because of the win, but I just thought in that in that situation, Friday, you you pretty much shouldn't have been throwing deep at all because it just. And I understand why they have to do that. I mean, as the game wore on, Washington was putting more guys up in the box. They were, you know, they were definitely playing overplaying the run, and you know, Oregon State needed to needed to kind of shake them out of that by by throwing the ball, but but I mean if all you're going to do is throw the ball deep down the field with almost no chance of completing it. Well, I, I don't see the point of, of that. Um, so I don't know what, I mean, you, you obviously you saw, he <laughs> saw all that, but, and, and you explained it there with Washington, just watch the other thing with Washington. I mean, let's, Let's be honest, Washington has one of the better receiving cores in the Pac twelve. Oregon State just is not at Washington's level for receivers. So, you know, Michael Penix has just more he had more to work with out there as well. Um I think
1: they do have good receivers, but I mean, you when you watch that quarterback, he he plays tremendous as a leader. Like he does have all the and when you listen to the commentators, yeah, like he is a heavy NFL prospect. I mean, he knows when to throw the ball away. He knows when to make the plays. He knows what kind of route concepts he wants and what looks best and what looks safe, especially in that kind of weather. And uh, when you have that kind of quarterback, I think it's easier to make a good receivers look great on top of you do have a great leader in your backfield. And, you know, we have a freshman, a redshirt freshman. So, you know, we went off of our normal game plan when. The game plan should have been able to be should it doesn't work in that kind of atmosphere or that kind of weather it does make things
0: hard. yeah well i mean the other thing needs to be point out too is that the penix also had his he also oh, statistically at his worst game of the year i mean and it, and it was a combination of oregon state's defense and and the wind i'm sure but but i mean he isn't he is definitely an nfl prospect and i i don't think at this point you could say you know, Ben Galbertson is a is an NFL type yet. I mean I'm not saying he he, he couldn't get there, but right now you can't say that. Um, Oregon State's quarterback situation. Okay, so we've got three guy we got three guys really in the mix. Ben, Chance Nolan, Tristan Jebia. Um it, it, Honestly, I mean, I know they would like to play. Chance Nolan is the guy they would like to play. He won the job out of camp. I mean, he's the guy that the coaches thought gave him the best chance to win, but he he just simply can't play right now. So it's got to be Ben Gulbertson. And the, some of the fans are losing their minds about, well, why isn't it Tristan Jebia? You know, why isn't he playing? And, you know, all they can do is remember what he did in 2020. Um, uh, And when he, in 2020, he was fine, but before that, but he, that was also before he had that serious hamstring issue. He wasn't the most mobile guy to begin with. <laughs> he's he's I, he's less mobile now than than he was before. And now that he's had the hamstring issue, I just I, I'm just going. Do you really think the coaches know less than you do? They see this guy play every day. See both of them play every day. Do you think if they thought Tristan Jebbia gave him a better chance to win, he wouldn't be out there behind behind center? I mean, Tristan is a, hes a, hes the nicest guy. I mean, everybody likes him. He's—he's a—he's a, he's one of the captains. But you know, at the end of the day, it, it's a cutthroat business, and I mean, they're gonna—the coaches are gonna go with who they think is gonna win the best chance to win the game. And at this point, it's Ben Gulbranson. I just—I just—I just laugh at all these emails I get from people about about Tristan Jabyi. Like I said, he's a good guy, and, you know, I think he's capable, but I don't think at this point he's, he's Ben Gulbranson.
1: No, I 100% agree. I, I think that, you know, when you look back at Gibby's history with Oregon State, it was awesome. I mean, you know, he wasn't the most mobile quarterback, but, you know, he made good plays, and that injury, I still remember it. I mean, it's, it's Civil War in Corvallis. Uh, you know, it, it really sucked to watch, and me as a athlete or former athlete and i'm pretty sure any athlete in any sport can tell you when you get hurt they don't actually go away and then when you get really hurt they never will actually go away like even if you heal them so you know like with his injury yeah i bet if he if he knew he could get out there and he could make a better stand than ben i bet he would and i bet that the coaches would 100 back him on that but when you look at ben and he he's mobile he's young he can sling the ball, and as time goes on, he's going to get better, so I think that fans need to just back it, and when, when Chance gets a plans to come back, when Chance gets a chance to come back, I think he's, you know, he's going to work with what he's got, and he's going to do well. It's just, you know, when injuries happen in football or in sports, yeah, it pick, puts a damper on your uh, whole situation and any ideas that you have seeing for the season, but you know, it's part of sports and it's part of football especially is you got to roll with the punches and figure out what you got to do from there. And I think that uh injury is one that probably, you know, I think he's a great leader. And I think he's probably training uh, Ben as much as he can and trying to help him as much as he can. But on the field, it's not something he can do to help us win. I think he's more of a leader standpoint.
0: i mean Tristan in Jabbia's case. He... It- the hamstring muscle tore away from the bone. <laughs> I mean that was a serious injury. I mean you could heal that, but it's it's still gonna have an impact i I, I think and I, and nobody's told me that but I just I just it's hard to believe that doesn't have some something to do with his mobility. but again, if they had to play him, they would and I think he'd be fine. I just think the coaches look at Ben and they go he's got a better chance to win a football game for us than Tristan Jebbia but how much do you think the the lack the the, the passing game has really come into uh, into the, to the forefront here especially in these bigger games where they just don't seem to have much of a passing attack how much do you think of that is on the receivers what 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 do you see from Oregon State's receivers that do you think they're they're doing what they need to do to get this thing going, or are they not getting the separation, or is there just not enough talent, frankly, at, at the position to make this thing go?
1: In my mind, I do believe more so than not, it is on the receivers. It's not on the quarterback play. Uh, I mean, even when you watch the game, like you have Harrison having some shots at catching like easier balls, and they're just drops, and so it's frustrating to see one you have a redshirt freshman quarterback out there trying to learn on the fly which you know it's normal you gotta adapt and grow into the position at one point but you know he's making good passes he's getting what he can out of it and then when your receivers are dropping balls it's it's, you know it makes things harder now he they come up with some great balls at times but at the same time like I do believe we don't have the 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 um the strength or the uh talent that we need yet at receiver I think with coach Smith and you know the way he recruits it'll come in time give it a year give it two years but uh I think right now we're making do with what we have and yes we're starting to get the run game down we have the freshman that's great and I think the receiving game is like the second area that we need to start focusing on more uh they have potential, you know, that's just been the conversation all season long is they have the potential to be good, but you're not seeing it fully unleashed throughout the whole receiving court. You know, there's a lot of drop balls here and there that things that should be easier first downs or even uh, getting closer to the sticks to to make it easier first down. So yeah, it's made things rough. And I think like, if I were to put like a percentage of it, I mean, I'm definitely saying like, 70% of it, 68% is sort of on the receivers just because, like, one, it's a freshman. Two, he's throwing decent balls. And, you know, I've seen more drops out of the receivers than, I mean, I see sort of mistakes on him. And I don't hold his standards crazy high because he is a freshman, but he's doing what he needs to to help get the job done.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other issue is he he doesn't have – the, the offensive line is is not giving him enough time to throw too. that. I mean, that's, that's another issue, but I um, mean, that's been a season long deal too. The, 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 this offensive line is really good at run blocking, but they're, they're still challenged to, to give their quarterback enough time, consistently give them enough time to get the passing game going. So, I mean, but I've, but I've been saying all along, when we get to the end of the season, the, when it comes to the transfer portal, getting a, a a receiver has got to be job one that, that that's got to be the top priority I I think to get to get a guy that you know they I I mean I guess if I'm looking at the you know the pro the, the guy I would want is a, like a 6-3 I would want a Isaiah Hodgins is what I would want somebody like that they can count on on third down that you know to to go go get me nine yards on you know on third and eight and things like that those are things that they don't seem to have i mean they they do convert third downs but it's just inconsistent
1: yeah and and going away from even the third down you just need to be able to get the ball thrown more and confidently being able to throw the ball so that you can be able to spread the field out more Yeah, like let's say if you just have somebody to throw to what first second down You now spread the field down whether you have a first down or not and then you're able to run the ball more than you want to or even as much as you normally want to so that everything is open on the field whereas we are one-dimensional uh we were one-dimensional and it looks good for the first half until you know you go into a locker room and you make your adjustments and Washington was like look like they're just gonna run it let's just stop that and you know, we give ourselves an opportunity to win, in which they did.
0: Right, and I and I and, I, and you know, just to, not to beat this thing too too awful much. But I, if Luke Musgrave was out there, we might not even be talking about this. I, I mean, if they just had that one guy that was six six and they could throw two in the middle of the field, and he could just out, he could just you know go out and get a ball from from most guys. Maybe this isn't an issue, but he's not out there, and he's probably not coming back. So we got to make do with what they got. Uh Oregon State's defense. We got to hold them to a high standard, I think. I mean, they've they've played well. We know what they are. They're one of the best defenses in the conference. Um shoot, what happened Friday night was yeah, yeah I'm not going to say it was unacceptable, but boy, that's that's a letdown on those third downs. The the number of third downs that washington converted especially the longer ones they were 11 washington was 11 out of 18 on third down and quite a few of them were of the third and 10 and 11 and the fourth and 10 the the third and 24 for a touchdown just they had you know five six seven of those that just uh, they they led to touchdowns and that was you know kind of the difference what what did you what did you see on those on those third downs that that cost oregon state
1: yeah to me it was just you know first down second down looks great and all of a sudden it just seems like they got lackadaisical out there it was just like defensive breakdowns wide open middle of the field uh what a couple p like penalties but like it was just everything turned to be open instead of this is the play to stop everything and it was frustrating to watch see your defense it's not even like they broke down it's more like they just got lazy or somehow there's just be a, a lot of open area and which was able for Washington to just make a play get back on first down and start back all over and so you're not giving yourself enough opportunity to get off the field when um, basically you're making it hard for yourself at the, getting all the way to third down just for them to convert all over again and so and especially on the longer like you were saying, first and ten and deeper it was just like or third and ten and deeper. So I mean, I don't know. It was definitely hurtful to see. It was rough for Oregon State and any Oregon State fans. It's like you see, our defense is doing great things, and all of a sudden, just dropping it all one third down after another. And so, I don't know. I think that's one thing Coach Smith to work on.
0: But well, I mean, what is what what causes that though? Because. I, I mean, the easy answer is, well, the secondary wasn't communicating well or something. But I I honestly believe that was the whole issue. I think more of the issue was probably Penix had far too much time to throw, and he was able to go to his second and third reads pretty easily. One of those guys got open. So I'm thinking it was probably as much the pass rush as it was, you know, guys covering. Because, I mean, as a, as a guy in the secondary, you're really only as good as your pass rush. You, you can't expect to cover a guy forever.
1: No, 100%. I think that, you know, as our pass rush grows, it'll get better. But we've seen it week in and week out. You know, we're not a team that makes multiple, multiple sacks. You know, we have to bring multiple blitzes. Our top uh, sack person is, I think, a nickel, uh, which is our, also covers guys. So, you know, uh, I think with them not being able to get to the quarterback, it's almost um, not even a lackadaisical. It's just a tired um, thing where you, you can't really guard somebody who has the whole 55 width of the field plus however long the distance to the end zone to guard for 10 seconds or seven, eight seconds. You know, you want the ball out in at least like four or five seconds. And then if it's not, now you're in scramble mode and you don't know where they're actually going to go at that point. Like, you can get a read off of a formation, off of down distance, you can off the personnel, and so you'll get an idea of what's going to happen or how the play's going to develop so that you're able to save energy, watch the receiver, mirror the receivers, and then once the play breaks down, now you're just following or accidentally holding and then flags come out. And so, you know, with the defense line up, being able to get to the quarterback as much, it definitely it strains the uh, the back end of the secondary. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, a couple of random <clears throat> random topics here. I was going to throw out uh, just a couple of peeves that I've I've kind of gotten over the last. You know, they just come up. You get a game like this, I get I get dozens of emails after games like Washington, and, and I get a lot of Twitter feedback and things like that, and. One of the things that came out of this game was well, Oregon State got out coached, and I, I just always have thought that's such a lazy way of of putting blame on something. They that somebody got out coached. <laughs> I mean, I always I always think in most cases, Washington's had more talent. They they, they talent makes you look like a good coach, and you know maybe, you know, maybe Oregon State could have done a few things differently. I don't know they got out coached. I mean, the scheme they came to the game with maybe it wasn't what it didn't you know it didn't work in the win. But I I don't know that Oregon State lost because Washington you know coaches were better than Oregon State's. I I think Michael Penix looks makes you look pretty darn good. I I think you put Michael Penix on Oregon State side and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they they would have won the game. I mean he's he was the best player on the field. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it would be like- yeah. I'm pre- yeah we'd be 8-0 oh I mean, right now thing, if we had him right i mean the thing the thing with that game is i mean as bad as it as it felt i mean washington didn't have the lead until the last the second to last play of the game they never led in the game they were always playing from behind oregon state could have been up big early in the game I mean, the running game was doing pretty darn well I just, I, I think this, I think Oregon State's approach was pretty solid. I just think the win, you know, kind of took away some of their plan and and whatnot. But boy, this this out coach thing just drives me crazy because it's just come up with something better than that when you're trying to pin blame on on the reason somebody lost a game. I, I it happens. I I get I, I get, yeah. I get it that sometimes coaches one one side just has a better game plan, but. Generally speaking, in a twenty four twenty one game, I don't think Oregon State got out coached here. Oh
1: yeah, no, I think as like a coach, you are gonna say it was on you, but I think Coach Smith played a a great game. Uh, you know, I truly think that game came down to talent, and it was one guy versus one guy. It was Ben versus uh, their quarterback. You know, it's just who could throw the ball and be able to open up the defense a little bit more. But you know, we were you can't say it was bad coaching play because. We're up 7-0. We gave ourselves an opportunity to score again. We didn't convert. We put them right back on our back. We came all right, drove back down the field again, put them right on our back, and couldn't come up with points again. So we gave ourselves three opportunities, converted on one, missed two. And then at the halftime, it's what, 14-7? Yeah,
0: it was 14 And then
1: after – yeah, and then, I mean, they literally did not – were not ever – above us up until the last what like minute or so of the like the last 30 seconds 20 seconds of the yeah game. it was the
0: second to last play of the game the, the the washington took their one and only lead of the game so i mean it, yeah it's not a it wasn't a terror i mean for as terrible as you know we all wanted to make that game put make that game be it i mean it was really close so anyway the other it was a the, good other, the other one the other one that started to drive me crazy here lately is is this narrative that Jonathan is just too reckless, that, that we've we've got a lot of old fans in this fan base. I have a feel, I, I feel like that just can't come to grips with the fact that you don't always have to punt when you're, when you're at the 40 yard line or the 50 yard line, and you don't always have to kick a field goal on fourth and, you know, yeah yeah. you don't i mean the the modern game is more of an offensive game you got to be thinking offense and jonathan has just decided that's going to be their brand they're not going to kick field goals all the time and they're not going to punt on fourth and five from from the opponent's 45 yard line they're they're going to go for it and i know the analytics people have a trouble with analytics i know they're they're out there. You can look them up online to see what the percentages are. I, I think the analytics generally favor what Jonathan's doing over the long over the long haul. I I just think that's what he is. That's what he's going to be. And complaining about it just 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 doesn't make any sense because it's just not what Jonathan is. He that's his that's his brand and that's what he wants to do. I didn't. I mean, I didn't agree with him going for it on fourth and three from the 15, unless he had a really good play in mind, which I didn't feel like the play they ran was it. But the fourth and one, the fourth and two, the, on the other side where they tried to run Coletto, I'd do that every time. Of the, I'd do that every day of the week as well. I wouldn't always kick field. I just think getting in this mindset of always kicking field goals in these predictable situations, it just leads to losing. I, it's an NFL, it, It's an old NFL mindset. I don't think it works in college as much because it's more of an offensive game in college.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I was going to say, like, you can look at the statistics, like him going for it on fourth and short, and he's going to get it more times than actually not. So, like, for anybody that actually wants to look into that, you can definitely do so. There's actually a high school coach uh, that did it, and he had never kicked, uh, punted, or he had never, like, kicked a field goal on any fourth down and like statistically he was in the positive at the end of all of it. And he actually got like a D two coaching job. So it works. And I I actually like how aggressive coach Smith is. Um, I think that it's going to work and it's going to go to his favor. Once people, kids, uh, recruits start seeing how aggressive he is offensively and defensively, it's going to be a great tool to use and be like, look, we want to win. We want to score points. You know, we don't want to settle for field goals. We want to really win and make a big stand. And I think that the way he coaches works and I agree with it. And I was hyped behind actually both of them. Like I actually would have probably done the same thing. I was excited and I was thinking he was going to go for it. when I saw it, I was really excited. Yeah. It didn't work on our favor, but you know, you win some, you lose some and you learn from it. But uh, when, the only thing I would say from the whole thing, and I think I'm a little bit different standpoint from you and some others is in ways you don't want Jack Coletto to just be there and you know he's getting the ball. I think that they need to figure out how to change it up, but still use him in the same way. So it's either off of, you know, him, the jet sweep or him at the running back or even staying fullback, giving it fullback or him just blocking. And I think he did amazing blocking. So, you know, I think that uh they have to figure out how to change the look so that not every defense immediately knows we know...
0: Well they the did ball. they did do that on on Friday at one point they they ran they ran the play where Coletto lined up at, at Wildcat and then he and then he shifted to the to the right and, and Fenwick took it and took the spot and took the snap and then they ran that play for a touchdown you know, I don't remember that in the third yes. quarter I think it was the third quarter where I think and then Jack went out and threw a block and got Fenwick loose I mean I that totally that I mean that play was wide open because Washington was was looking for Coletto all the way on that one, and I I can definitely see. I, I know they've got. I know they're thinking of other things they can do off of that as well. So, but but anyway, that's that's the Smith mindset, and I just man, it drives me crazy to keep hearing people gripe about Jonathan going for it all the time. That's what he is. That's the coach he signed up for. Um, I don't know. Anyway um one other one other side topic i was going to ask you about i i talked to i talked to players all the time about you know what do you what do you plan on you know when they get later in their career what what, what do you plan on doing and almost all of them you know well gonna go you know we're gonna, i'm going to the nfl and i mean i i mean i admire that you know guys got a goal and whatnot you should try to try to reach your goals but man the nfl's tough i just, you tried it. I mean, how do you, do you ever want? Now that you look back, do you wonder how delusional sometimes players are about how they can go from, you know, college to the NFL? I mean, you saw what it was like in a camp. What, 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 is, what is it like? What, I mean, if, if you're not great in college, how the heck can you make it in, in an, NFL, on an NFL roster? I mean, I think the odds are so long.
1: it's like, it baffles me and it makes me laugh. And I, I I do respect the dream. I had the dream just as much as any kid. Um, really for me, I actually didn't care to go to the NFL or have a shot at playing pro. I actually wanted to go back to school, get my master's, become a coach, just like coach Smith. So I always have those conversations. I always had those conversations with coach Smith when he came in, but, uh, when you get a shot at playing pro, you take it. And, you know, when you get there, it's a totally different game like everything you learn from school any uh play call the way that you count formations the way that you call out defenses or call out coverages or even talk to individuals on the field or off the field you don't use any of that lingo on top of they expect you to learn a playbook really 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 fast like way faster than any camp or anything that i ever did and you know from there when you make a mistake you're not like a star anymore Everybody on the field is a star. So, you know, like potentially you have, you have choice. You have potential of getting cut. So the stress of it is something that I don't miss. Um, but like the athleticism part, it doesn't even have to actually equip to how great you are. Like, yes, when you're great, great like that, you have, you have the stature, the standpoint, the publicity to get you there, which is awesome. Now, is it going to keep you there? Potentially not. But if you're a good player on special teams, and this is the thing is everybody wants to be that all-star on the team. Like uh, ask Tim Cook, for example, one of the other guys that was on my team. He went from having, I think he actually only had 14 touches, maybe 19 touches at running back at Oregon State. And he was on the Jaguars for about a year. Why? Because he was a great special teams player. And the thing is, is just like, everybody thinks you have to be a star. Now, I feel like in ways I'm telling kids, you still have an opportunity. This the chances are so slim, so small. Um, but the stress of the game at that point is so far that I was happy when I decided to call it done because you'll find a better life outside of playing football, and there's different ways to be a part of football. So,
0: yeah, I, 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 no I, I, I. I, I. I know these guys all want to play in the NFL but man that is a hard life that is that is a hard life because it's I don't know anyway I, I think you I think you can get I, I think you know guys that don't I think if you have a mindset of you want to be a special teams guy I think you actually have a better chance of making it in the NFL if you're not a if if you weren't super accomplished in college, because those guys there's always a place for a special teams guy, but I don't know. Anyway, I'm just I was just throwing that one out there. So I'm looking at I'm looking at Oregon State right now. They're they're six and three, three games left. Some of the goals are gone. Um you know, there's no chance of getting to get into the Pac twelve championship game, no chance of winning a, a league title. Uh, probably not gonna get to not gonna get to the Rose Bowl, Alamo Bowl. Uh, probably Holiday Bowl. I think the top bowl they could get to is Vegas, maybe. Probably, I think the Oregon State's going to end up in the Sun Bowl. That that seems like the most likely destination. But but the point is, you know, some of the goals are gone. How how does the team how do they finish strong with some of those big goals gone? How, how does the team you know focus on Cal and Arizona State and Oregon and try to make the most of the season when when they know that you know that championship dream is 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 no longer possible i think
1: for the team and for oregon state uh oregon state players it's more so now who am i playing for uh you know like they still have the potential to have a record that what the last decade of oregon state players have never had you know so i would be like hey look like we're doing this for us. We have to be be the standpoint to the future of Oregon State. You know, we need to win out, buy in, and finish strong. You know, even look at last year, and I'd hope that they'd make it a thing where it's like, hey, look, we had this average season, made it to a bowl game, and lost the bowl game. How good do you want to be? It sucks, yeah, we lost three, but the thing is we're still in it. We got a bowl game. Let's win. You know, let's win out for the rest of the season. And so I think, you know, with Jaden Grant and a lot of the leaders, it's just, hey, buy in, let's finish strong. And I, when I say finish strong, finish with all wins from here on. And so, you know, that's a conversation that the leaders need to have to the team and have everybody buy in 100%. And I think Coach Smith is all around that. And I think, yeah, Cal's going to be rough. Arizona State's going to be a little rough. And Oregon's going to be the roughest probably. And so, you know, like they – if I was them, I'd want all those and I'd want to win all those because not only are you going to be winning, but you're now remaking a name for the Oregon State fans and culture and university for football. Yeah. Everybody looked at us as a joke as five years ago and look at us now. But more more can we do.
0: So these last three games, Cal, Arizona State, Oregon, uh, they're all winnable. They could also all be losses. California – as I mentioned earlier, has lost five in a row and they've got some bad losses. There's no question about it. The Colorado one was a bad one, but they're capable. They, I mean, they, they took USC, they took USC to the wall. Um, They've had some other games, you know, at times they, they, they went toe to toe with Oregon. You know, eventually they, they, they just, their defense just wasn't good enough to contend with Bo Nix, but you know, if you take Cal lightly, I, that's a team that, that that can give you some problems. You know, Arizona State, they've had some they've had some games where they've looked good this season. Um, you know, they beat Washington. That's going to be that's not going to the one thing I would say about that game. It's possible by the time they get to Arizona State, Arizona State could be out of bowl contention, and then you just don't know what a team is thinking at that point. You don't you, you don't know if you know they're ready just to. Move on to workouts and, and the next season. Oregon, I mean, on paper, the ducks the ducks are probably a seven to ten point favorite. I, I would I would speculate, but at Eraser Stadium, Oregon State, find some magic that that team comes alive there, and those fans come alive it's that's going to be, that's, I, that's a game. I, I th- they got a shot. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to predict or Oregon state's going to win that game, but they got a shot. So I don't know I, there's still, there's still a possibility for a 10 win season here. If if they keep their heads on and really focus as they talk about each week, playing each, each week as a one and oh type situation.
1: No, I 100% agree. I think that they have the ability to go through these next g- three games in March and um, try to win them as many as possible and potentially have all of those, but at the same time could lose all three. And so it it, it really comes down to, and man, do I, I love and hate these words, but buy in. And the culture that they're fo- like, founding and starting on is one that I will never get to experience as a player. And anybody before me will never get to experience because... We did not win like that. We didn't have the same culture that this team has. Um, I think they have all the ability, all the coaching, the leaders, so on and so forth, to help them finish this season strong with uh only three losses and all the rest is Ws. But it's going to be how bad do they want it? Can the defense stop on third downs? Can the receivers catch balls? Can Ben get out and actually make great throws? Can Martinez run the ball? Can the O-line hold up on pass? And can the O-line run block well? Can the linebackers make their stops on third down? And it's really each individual position has to have that conversation and that understanding that we want to succeed and want to be great and finish this year out strong. So I think they have those conversations, and I think – I'm happy and excited to watch my program and others, uh, other Oregon State fans and other Oregon State alumni watch this program succeed this year. And I think it's crazy that we went from I'd be happy with a six and six season to we shouldn't have lost that game. That's on coaching. Uh we should be this record, we have the potential for this. And it's like you went from one season from a six and six to now you're hoping for the moon. And I am happy with the slow progress each year. And I still do agree that, you know, we could have a great record. We can finish the year out strong. But to watch this culture change year in, year out to only a better, uh, structured, confident, positive um, football team is great. And I think Coach Smith's doing a great job and he's having the conversations needed and we're having the leaders on the team that have the high expectations of each other, hold each other accountable.
0: When you, uh, when you played football, did you uh... – Did you, did you, were you guys much into into the basketball team?
1: Uh, I used to, I used to hang out with some of them, yeah.
0: Were you, were you a hooper? Never really would go to the, did you hoop?
1: Oh, yeah, still hoop, hoop every, what, three times a week?
0: Were there, were there guys on the team that thought they were pretty good? Yes.
1: Yes. Ryan Nall was a hooper and a couple others were, I mean, there was actually a lot of us that were hoopers. I mean, yeah, we, we, we did hoop a lot still.
0: I think I saw him play high school basketball. If I remember right, Brian Blake, Blake Brandel. He was on your, he he was playing. Was he at Oregon state when you were there? I'm trying to remember. Yes. Yeah, he was, a, he was, a. he played, yes, he, he played, he played with Nall at central Catholic and well, Jaden played, Jaden played at Westland on state championship teams and Jalen Moore, as he likes to remind me all the time, what a great Hooper he is. And you played with Jalen and, um, I was just mentioning there's there's quite a few games coming up. I know this weekend if you if you want to uh, if fans want to catch the the men's team they play Friday night. You can do the Friday the Friday Saturday basketball football doubleheader down at Oregon State. I, like I said, I just spent five hours at Gill last night watching the men and women play. So pretty exciting games. Both of them won in the last 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 minute of the game. So. That's, uh, that's about all the time we got for this week's edition of the beaver banter podcast remember you can find this podcast wherever you look for wherever you look for your favorite podcast be sure to check out Oregon live for all our Oregon state content we'll be back next week to talk about Oregon State's Oregon State's get, upcoming game they'll be playing at Arizona State um, down in Tempe on November 19th they'll be the Penelope an ultimate game of the season before they play Oregon in the season finale. And of course, we'll be talking about the Cal game, the second to last home game for Oregon State. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week.